morning to everyone in the Diocese of Orange and elsewhere in Southern California. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio on AM 1000. We're coming to you through the good offices of Immaculate Heart Radio today and every Thursday morning from 11 to noon from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove. I'm Patrick Mott. One of the most pressing problems in the third world today regarding basic human needs has to do with one of the most basic of all, clean drinking water. And not just the water, but the access to it. In too many places throughout the world, many of the poorest of the poor either have no potable water where they live, or they're forced to walk great distances to get to it and then bring it back in makeshift containers. This task often falls to children and can occupy entire days. Here with us today are two men who are doing something about this urgent problem and they're succeeding at it. Pete Callahan and Nick Jordan are from Wells of Life, an Orange County-based nonprofit organization dedicated to bringing clean water to villagers in Uganda by drilling local wells. Nick is an Orange County real estate broker who founded the organization in 2009, and Pete is an Orange County attorney who's uh, been a litigator for the Diocese of Orange since its inception in 1976. Gentlemen, welcome, and we record this show two days before the air date. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Pat. I thought we might be called upon to sing a chorus of Danny Boy somewhere along the line. Well, we've only got a limited amount of time here, and I know you guys want to talk about Wells of Life. Nick, I'd like to start with you. When your thoughts turned to this in 2009, why did you decide to concentrate on water specifically, and why Uganda specifically? The reason, Pat, was that uh, I traveled there, and during the course of two weeks, I actually traveled about 1,800 miles across the terrain of Uganda primarily. We got to visit a lot of schools, 12 in fact, and got to see firsthand what was actually happening. The biggest and most remarkable insight that I saw was that there were more boys than girls in school, and the answer to the why is very simple. There was a lack of water in many areas, and the girls were actually helping their mothers carry water. And this is something that completely took them out of school and occupied pretty much their entire day, right? You're absolutely correct. It really was what caused the biggest hardship and basically perpetrated the cycle of poverty. And so without school, they had lost every opportunity to receive an education and to be able to further themselves in life. Now, Nick, you started this in 2009. Pete, how and when did you become involved and why? Well, it was exactly two years ago at a St. Patrick's Day party. I met Nick. We were introduced, my wife and I, to Nick by Sister Emard Flood here at the diocese. Yes. And uh, Nick pitched me with uh, his water charity and said, if you give me $6,000, every penny goes to drilling the well. And I said, really? Because I've been, I'm 70 years old, so I'd spent about 68 years as a Catholic. I'd given a fair amount of money to a number of different causes. And I have been ripped off by causes, by, by people who are getting hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of income. So I said, Nick, tell me a, a few questions. I said, oh, what's your salary? And he said, well, zero. Uh, well, what's your overhead? Uh, 100% going to go into this well? And uh, who pays for this, this advertising? He said, well, they, the volunteers put their own money in. And I said, I'd like to see your tax returns. And he said, what's online? Uh, And I said, you know, if I give you $6,000, I will go to Africa and see that well. And if it's not there, I'm going to come back and I'm going to close down your charity. I'm going to put you in prison. And he said, wonderful. 
when can you go? So my uh, bluff was called. And so uh, a couple of months later, I went to Africa. And I really went to Africa. I took my oldest daughter and my oldest grandson, 10. And it was a vacation trip. But once we got there, it turned into a pilgrimage. And it was a life-changing experience for me. And as you mentioned, I've been practicing law for 48 years. I'm still practicing, but that's not the emphasis of my life. What I've got left, I'm going to spend with this charity. Once you see these people, you talk to these women, grandmothers drop down on their knees to kiss your hands. I I could tell you a story about a football player over there that really opened my eyes and and, uh, changed my life. And it changed the life of my daughter and I think my my 10-year-old grandson. I'd like to ask a technical question just kind of at the top here because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, okay, how does this work? What's involved in funding and planning and drilling a well? Is it something that uh, you get by trial and error, or do you have a lot of good people out there who know what they're doing? Yes, the answer to this one is really simple and very easy. The reality is the water is there. It's sometimes as close as 20 feet from where children die for no reason other than they have no means of getting access to it. In fact, this week we just finished drilling the uh, Bishop Flores well that was dedicated to his memory. And we found water at less than 150 feet. Wonderful. Now that was one of our deeper wells. But the reality that exists, Pat, is that people live and die without access to water. And for $6,000, we basically serve a village of as many as a 1,000 people. And by my math, for $6, we can bring life to a person for life. Our wells last, well, all of them that we've drilled are still there, but we have at least a 30-year life expectancy on them. We've financed approximately 140 wells. We've drilled approximately 120. We've never drilled a dry well. We never will. Uh, We know there's water there before we drill. It's uh, a matter of a day to three days. If we run into a a deep problem with a lot of rocks, it could be three days, but usually one day average. And we come in, we finish the well, we, we talk to the people ahead of time, and we only have three rules for these wells. It's pretty simple. And the people are very bright over there. They're, uh, they're mostly Catholics. They're uh, overwhelmingly Christian. They're very bright and very educated, even though there's no water or electricity in these villages. And our rules are simple. You've got to share the water. Anybody who comes from the neighboring village, walks on a bicycle, whatever, there are no cars, gets water. We're not starting any water wars. Number two, you got to protect the water. you got to screen it, keep the animals away from defecating so we don't pollute the water source, which they, they, they build the fences and they, the, the women in the community organize a water committee. And rule number three, got to send the kids to schools, all the kids. And this is not a Muslim country, incidentally. As I say, it's primarily uh, Christian. They're more than happy to send the girls to school if they can get them off of the water duty, carrying stuff. And that's what our bucket is for here. We're going to be doing a, a water walk down at Santa Margarita High School. This Sunday is World Water day. So if any of your listeners want to come down to Santa Margarita Catholic High School uh, at noon, uh, we would love to have you. You can see a 70-year-old guy, me, carry 45 pounds of water. This is empty now. You can see I'm holding it up. Yes, we're on radio, but he is uh, <laughs> he's lifting a plastic uh, container. It's, uh, what, five gallons? Yes, it's five gallons, Pat, and it actually weighs 44 pounds, which is the actual uh, baggage allowance allowed in the United States. And when I was there in 2008, you would see women every single day carrying this 44 pound weight on their heads almost an impossible task for a grown man to do yet because of the need and because their life depended on it and their family's life this is what they would do from 5 a.m. in the morning several times each day traverse dangerous terrain on average three miles to the well and three miles back 
I visited several water holes, and what they bring back in this 45-gallon or 45-pound package is contaminated water, which they will boil to the best they can to cook and wash clothes in, but they'll wash the same clothes over and over again. They'll wash the same food utensils over and over again, and the kids wash their faces in it, and then they get this trachoma, the, the parasites in their eyes, and you see a lot of people 25, 30 years old that seem to have glaucoma. Their eyes are kind of glazed over with white, but it's not. It's caused by parasites that from the dirty water that die under their eyelids. And then when they blink their eye, that scrapes the cornea. And when your cornea is scraped off, there's no nothing you can do. There's no operation at corneal transplant. But nobody's getting corneal transplants in Uganda. So I've walked to the waterhole with the people because when we went to the, quote, Callahan Village, they insisted that, that they take me out there to the waterhole. And so I know what I'm going to face on Sunday. Uh, it's it's a long, hot walk to bring back dirty water. It's, it's heartbreaking. For those of you just joining us, we are speaking with Pete Callahan and Nick Jordan, who are representing Wells of Life, a wonderful organization that drills water wells for clean, potable water in Uganda. Uh, you were mentioning a minute ago that uh, there is one uh, well that you recently drilled that was dedicated to Bishop Cirillo Flores. For those of you who remember Bishop Cirillo, he was a, an auxiliary bishop here in the Diocese of Orange. Died not long ago, unfortunately, uh, but he was the former bishop of the Diocese of San Diego. Now, you are uh, naming a number of wells for people uh, in the Diocese of Orange, people who have donated, is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Pat. Uh, what we believe that a water well represents is a living memorial. I was raised uh, in Ireland, educated by the FCJ nuns in County Wexford, and so I learned at a very young age, you know, the importance of honouring life and honouring those that have gone before us. So when we have an opportunity to uh, dedicate a water well, it really is a significant uh, example of how much that life meant. So it's a measurable by the gallon or in actual lives testament to what that person's life meant. And in addition, when you have a community of as many as a thousand people in Uganda praying for that person and their family, it's a beautiful bridge between two continents where we follow the dictates of our Lord Jesus telling us to take care of the poor, to minister to those who have no water to drink. And that's what we believe at Wells of Life, that it's our responsibility to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. One of the things we try to do is involve American kids. We try to get American kids here raising pennies to dollars to finance a well in a grammar school, and then we can even patch them up with uh, Skype so they can see their well and see their village. That is something I want to explore in a little more depth when we come back. Right now, we are going to take a short break. We're going to come back, learn a lot more about Wells of Life and about how you can help. Please stay with us. Don't miss the Orange Catholic Foundation's 13th Annual Conference on Business and Ethics on the morning of April 17th at the Hilton Hotel in Costa Mesa. Keynote speakers include Dr. Carolyn Wu, President and CEO of Catholic Relief Services, and John Allen, Senior Vatican Analyst for CNN, Associate Editor of Crux, and author of nine books on the Vatican and Catholic Affairs. This year's Farmers and Merchants Lifetime Achievement Award will be presented to the Sisters of St. Joseph of Orange. Sponsorship of 
this event impacts the lives of many children in our Catholic schools who will directly benefit from your generosity in our tuition assistance grants. Help us in making a difference in a child's life and in our community by sponsoring or attending this signature event. For more information, please visit orangecatholicfoundation.org. That's orangecatholicfoundation.org or call 714-282-3047. That's 714-282-3047. We're back with Pete Callahan and Nick Jordan from Wells of Life, an organization dedicated to digging water wells in Uganda. We were talking about in our first uh, segment some of the uh, many, many, many benefits of doing this for the people of Uganda. But let's talk a little bit about the beneficiaries on this side of the world, right here in Orange County. Lots of young people are getting involved in this, and lots of young people are getting very enthusiastic about it, I understand. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I'd like to take that question because it's at the very heart of what our organization stands for. We truly believe that uh, when we can inspire our youth with causes that are important to the world, then we have an opportunity to raise up a generation that can put the needs of others in the forefront of what they commit their lives to. Men like Pete and I have, you know, we're on the backside of our game of golf, and obviously we're doing what we're doing, but our very commitment is to reach the hearts and the minds and the spirits of young people. And I can give you maybe two examples. We have our youngest youth ambassador at six years old, having raised the funds for his own well. It's already drilled. I mean, that family, they're called the Martin family of Rancho Santa Margarita. They Mm -hmm. absolutely made service to others as their very center of their home. We have another young boy in Long Beach who raised the funds. And to raise $6,000, even for an adult, is a lot of money. But this young man, his name is Stevie, he took books to school and would loan them out for a couple of pennies to his friends and his colleagues so he could raise the funds and drill his own well. He did that because his heart was moved to serve others. What a beautiful way to be able to couch your future life living. And this particular charity, this particular endeavor, is not something amorphous. It's not something out there in the ether that you have trouble grasping onto. It's water. It's life. You you donate to this charity. You become involved in this charity. And people live who would otherwise die. This is something that young people can really get their arms around, yes. And if we can get their parents involved, too, we can accomplish a great deal as a family. And, and a family that prays together stays together. The family that gives and has a, has a tradition of giving also stays together. When I got involved in this charity, as I say, I came in with a skeptical attitude. <clears throat> and so I was pretty aggressive about checking things out. I did my due diligence. Because my question really was, why this charity? There's a there's hundred, there's a thousand water charities. Why this one? And what I liked about this one is, number one, every penny that's donated to a well goes to the drilling of the well. Um, there's there's no overhead at all. Number two, we drill that well in a rather, rather short period of time, uh, six months on the outside. So it's a specific deal. It's not like trying to throw $6,000 into curing cancer, for example. That's certainly a good good goal, but you don't know what you've, you've accomplished. Here, 
six months later, at the latest, we'll send you pictures of your well with the dedication that you described on there, set and cement, with a number of happy people, kids splashing in the water. So it's it's specific, it's ascertainable. We can accomplish it. We've accomplished it 140 times. It's verifiable. We'll have not a promise in the future. You will have a well with your name on it, or you're dedicated to your parents in a fast turnaround time. It's a fairly small amount of money. $6,000 is a lot, but in the big picture, it's a small amount of money. And it does a tremendous good. I, I had the benefit of going over there and seeing this, and it's a tremendous amount of good both here for the people that, that donate the money and become involved in our charity. It's a God's blessing for the people over there. I had a grandmothers kissing my hands and kneeling in front of me. I started to tell you about this football player. There was one kid in the, I call it the Callahan Village, because I can't pronounce the name, who was too cool. He was about 16 years old, and he had a, a shirt on that said, I thought it said Irvine football. Uh, and it was an American football. And he was too cool to do the native dances. He was too cool to sing. He was too cool to do any of the plays. He was just too cool. At the end of the thing, he came up to me, and uh, it was raining, as, and we we're trying to get out of there. Was, uh, mosquitoes were coming up. And he said, listen, i got to tell you, I want I want to thank you. And I said, well, I, I've, I've been thanked. You know, it's fine. But the kid grabs my arm, and he says, listen. He looks me right in the eye, and he said, you don't realize the good that you've done here. I know coming over here probably cost three times what the well was, but he said, you've changed my family completely. My, my mother can now be a mother. You know, my little sister can go to school. You've really done something worthwhile. And that's the first time it hit me that this wasn't just a vacation trip. This wasn't just a, oh, a feel good, I wrote a check, I pat myself on the back type thing. I really have changed the lives of a thousand people forever. Well, and this is another thing I think that draws young people to something like this feedback, quick feedback. Right. A well goes in, people rejoice. Their lives have been completely turned around, and they say so. And kids can hear that almost within weeks and months. If you go on wellsoflife.org, wellsoflife.org is our website, and you'll see a number of pictures, a number of stories. Uh, and if anybody has any questions, let me give you my cell phone. It's 24-7. It's turned on. 714 264 5594. I'll take a call anytime, literally, the day or night from anywhere in the world. 714-264-5594. Wellsalife.org. It's a wonderful organization. It's something you can get involved in. You can accomplish specific things in a short period of time, and God will bless you. And these people, when they take water for the next 30 years, will bless your name five times a day, every day. Once again, for those of you just joining us, we are talking with Pete Callahan and Nick Jordan from Wells of Life, a wonderful organization that digs water wells in Uganda. You've got a big event coming up this weekend. Uh, you mentioned it in our first segment. I'd like to hear a little more about it down at Rancho Santa Margarita. Santa Margarita High School, Pat. Uh, every day, there's actually one day dedicated to water. It's World Water Day. It happens to be March 22nd. And it's an opportunity for us all to realize that there are a billion people that lack clean water every single day of their lives. So at Santa Margarita High School at 12 o'clock, we're going to have the opportunity for anybody that would like to walk and carry an amount of water and simply be there in solidarity with women and children that have to walk 365 days of the year. And the most spectacular part of the day is that we have decided to dedicate this well to our Holy Father, Pope Francis. 
for his incredible devotion and dedication to the poor. We are all inspired by what he has said and by the example he has given us. You have a Wells of Life gala also every year. Now, this is a fundraiser for the administrative costs of mm-hmm. the organization. When, when does that occur? It occurs every October, and this year it is on the 10th of October. Last year, we were very fortunate to have a very famous Irishman who happens to come from the same village as I come from in Ireland, all of 300 people. His name is Anthony Kearns. He's one of the famous Irish tenors, and he has taken on the role as being our national ambassador. And he sang some of the most beautiful songs ever heard by the human ear. And not only that, but he also dedicated a private performance to our charity. And uh, we're very excited, Pat, each year that we get to showcase the incredible work that is being done. And you made the point earlier, which is so critical. You can literally see the results in less than 100 days. And when you have men like Pete Callahan, who will take his daughter and his grandson and actually travel to the location where a community is receiving the water, you have the most moving and most inspiring uh, results that can possibly be had. So we love to inspire people to take a trip. Now, this family I mentioned earlier, the Martin family, there are six children. This family has committed six water wells, not just six water wells, but they're taking each of those children, five girls and a boy, on a trip to visit their water well upon graduation. So this is the depth and the level of of passionate commitment that people have when they hear about Wells of Life and know that this is one cause that they can actually do something about. Because of the many that we can't actually do something about, you can literally change the world for a thousand people, one at a time, by believing that you can give them clean water and by doing something about it. And if you can't give $6,000, give $6. We'll get a thousand people to join with you to do this well. I gotta ask you, Nick, uh, since Anthony Kearns is our national spokesman, why isn't he here today? sing for us? Well, he happens to be in a place called the White House, and I believe he's singing for uh, some very important people. But he assured me, uh, actually, on the telephone that he would mention Wells of Life, and he would put a good word in for it, first of all, with the Irish Taoiseach, Mr. Enda Kenny. And I'm not sure who else will be there, but I have no doubt But the President of the United States will be in that company. Wonderful. So let me mention one more time our website, wellsoflife.org, W-E-L-L-S, Wells of life and call me 714-264-5594 Pete Callahan and uh, and I would love to chat with you well in the two minutes we have left I'd like to get a little personal here in all the trips you've made to Uganda and all the friendships you've made and all the contacts you've had since you started this uh, organization in 2009 you must have become quite close with a number of people over there uh, it, it's it's almost like an extended family I would guess uh, it is, and especially our, our drilling teams. We have two drilling teams that uh, spend uh, weeks away from their families, and I've had a chance to go to some of the drilling sites with them. It's almost like that movie Oklahoma where you bring in a gusher of oil. You know, it's the same kind of a concept because the water is usually under pressure there, and you drill, and it's muddy, and it's splashing around, and the guys get covered with mud, so does all the equipment. And then suddenly the water breaks through, and uh, and the, the people in the village dance and uh, sing. It's it's a, a beautiful sight. And I would just love to say, Pat, you know, I never, an Irishman never misses the opportunity to make a request. 
Christ. Uh, we're good at that. And so of all the parishes, you know, that will listen to this broadcast, I would just encourage those members of the parishes. Think about who you could honor and who you could dedicate a well to, whether it's a priest, a monsignor, you know, one of, uh, of the people that have really made a difference there. This is the greatest gift and the, the living memorial that this parish could give. And I assure you, you have Pete and my personal commitment that if you ask either of us or both of us to come and speak to you, to your congregation, we would be there in an Irish second. With and video I- and pictures. Indeed. And for those of you not familiar with an Irish second, that's fast. <laughs> Nick Jordan, Pete Callahan, thank you so much for being with us today and telling us about a wonderful and very worthwhile and very effective organization, Wells of Life. Once again, if you want to find out more or if you'd like to donate or become involved, go online to wellsoflife.org, wellsoflife.org. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. the studio with Thomas Oweapo, who has an extraordinary story to tell that has a particular resonance during the Lenten season. Thomas is a CRS Global Ambassador. He works with Catholic Relief Services. He is a member of the Catholic Relief Services team operating in his home country of Ghana. However, Thomas travels throughout the U.S. promoting the work of Catholic Relief Services and, in particular, the CRS Rice Bowl program, which we're going to be talking about. He's a good friend to us here in the Diocese of Orange, a very popular speaker when his travels bring him to Orange County. Thomas, welcome back to the Diocese and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm going to let you tell the story, but I'll kick it off just a bit by saying that Thomas was orphaned before he was 10 years old and lived in very terrible poverty and hunger in a, in a small village in Ghana. He had a very bleak future ahead of him, but Catholic Relief Services showed up and made quite a difference in his life. Thomas, I'll let you pick it up from there. All right. Thank you for having me here. And um, I grew up in a little village in Ghana. Growing up in this little village as a small young boy, but often at a very early age, no parents. Um, that was very hard growing up with the pain of not knowing what it means to have a mom or a dad in a village. And I had three other siblings and we, you can imagine four little boys growing up without parents. We're very miserable kids. There were many nights we went to bed feeling the terrible pain of hunger so much so that we couldn't even sleep. We fought for food all the time. We cried for food. We will go to bed with so much hunger. You know, like if you ask me what is the worst evil I have experienced in my life is to be hungry at night. Unfortunately, we got sick, malnourished. My little siblings passed away. Two of them died. One, my older brother, he simply couldn't deal with it, so he ran away from the village. He has never been back since then. But here I am sitting here today, now with a wife and four children, and my children have never known what it means to be hungry. And they are all in school, doing very well in school. Uh, My oldest daughter is actually in college first year. And the question you'll be asking is, what brought the change uh, so drastic from one end to the other? It is the power of CRS Rice Bowl. Because as a hungry child, I kind of smelled food cooking in a a, a CRS Rice Bowl-supported school in my village. And I smelled the food and traced the smell when they're looking for the food. But the problem is that they wouldn't give me the food 
school until I sat in class. Well, so you didn't initially go to school to learn. You oh, went, no. You, 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 you went to school to eat. I hated the school, but I loved the food. <laughs> but they won't give you the food until you sat in class. Well, it's sort of a chicken-egg thing. The food, the, the, the food comes first, but eventually you uh, really took to school. Exactly, exactly. You know, I kept going to the school every day. They kept providing a little snack and a hot lunch at the end of the day if you stayed in school the whole day. And so because they won't give you a lot, because if they gave me a lot and I feel my stomach, I'm out of there. But they know. So they give you a little to hold you back, sit in class, learn, and at the end of the day, they give you a hot lunch. And as they kept doing that, I kept going to the school. And today I'm sitting here, still alive, holding a master's in public administration, working for Catholic Relief Services in Ghana. Um, how neat is that? And I'm just thinking, you know, sometimes there are many problems in the world, but how just a little act of kindness, like a little snack, provided in a school by CRS Rice Bowl, can change my whole story around. You went to college in Ghana, uh, and then you you were eventually accepted here at Cal State uh, Hayward, was it? Yes. And and you got your degree in public administration? Yes. Um, it's now called, I mean, after I finished, they changed the name to Cal, uh, Cal State East Bay. But that's where I went to. I went for my graduate degree in uh, public administration. I got a scholarship from the state of California. You know, some people ask you, how did you choose to come to California? I said, California chose me. I, I didn't know anywhere in the U.S., but I was lucky enough to be given a scholarship to study here, and so I did. So when you look at my life, it's a miserable life with many crooked lines, but I think God was able to ride straight on those crooked lines using people, Catholic Relief Services, to trick me with a snack to go to school. A priest adopted me and sent me to high school, paid for me to stay there. Then California State came and gave me a scholarship to come here and study. And so when I finished, people were like, why are you going back? I said, and others in my country were like, why are you coming home? I said, it's home. I think God blessed me this much to be shared. He blessed me so that I can pay it forward. And the best way to pay it forward was to go back home to Ghana. As a way of working for CRS, it's a grace, it's a special privilege to be able to pay back a little token of all the blessings I have received from this country through Catholic Relief Services. For those of you who are just joining us, we're here in the studio with Thomas Awiapo. He is a, a Catholic Relief Services Global Ambassador from Ghana. He's here to talk with us a little bit about about uh, his personal story and about Catholic Relief Services Rice Bowl program. Now, the Rice Bowl program was the small, almost infinitesimal little nudge that you needed to get your life not only back on track. I mean, to, to get a, a, a you know a belly full of food, but to move your your life forward. It, it, do you see that happening everywhere with Rice Bowl? Yes, you know, Rice Bowl started 40 years ago. You know, there, there was so much hunger in Africa. Africa, the whole of Africa. Then the American Catholic family, Catholic community said to themselves, how can we help fight the uh, hunger in Africa? How can we help end hunger in Africa? And the answer came as a big yes. And that yes came in the form of that little cardboard box. And 40 years down the line, that little cardboard box has raised over $250 million from American Catholics in schools. That's and, remarkable. Yeah, schools and families and parishes and all that. And that has really brought so much hope to many. I'm sitting here. My story is no longer the same. Uh, my life has changed. But I, I, I used to walk five miles to school every day. 
Walking five miles, I go to school very hungry and miserable. But when I'm walking those five miles and I'm thinking, don't worry, Catholic Relief Services will be there with that, that little snack. It gave me all the motivation and the courage to walk those five miles. I didn't walk those five miles alone. I had friends. I had schoolmates, classmates. We all walked those miles, not because we wanted to go to school, but that's because it was the only place we could find food. So those people today, my friends, some are teachers, some are nurses, some are midwives, some are priests. In fact, some are even bishops and serving their communities in, in different ways. That is the power of CRS Rice Bowl. And so for many years, people have been sacrificing. The American Catholic family has been sacrificing all these monies. And sometimes they are wondering, does it really make a difference? And I'm here as an answer to that question. One of the answers to that question, a living testimony of what those Lenten sacrifices through CRS Rice Bowl can do. I wanted to ask you specifically about that because uh, when a lot of people contribute to Rice Bowl, they do it with what you were saying a minute ago, that little box. Yes. And they look at that little box and they think, this isn't even as large as a piggy bank. How much? It, it, it holds coins. How much good am I going to be able to do if I fill this little box with a couple of handfuls of coins? Am I really going to be making a difference? What, what's your answer to that? My answer to that is that, you know, I come from a country where the minimum wage is still less than $2 a day. And if you give a dollar, you provide a big, beautiful meal for a whole family. And if you gave $10, you will provide meal for a whole family for a whole week. And that, that is what it means. And so you may think that those little nickels and dimes don't add up. They really add up. And the beautiful thing about CRS Rice Bowl, I, I travel in all these schools. And I, I've seen hunger in Africa. I've been hungry before. But I've also seen hunger in this country. I've seen poverty in this country. The beautiful thing about CRS Rice Bowl is that whatever money they raise, 75% of that goes overseas to help provide food for hungry people, clean water for people who need it, and women clinic to help them stay uh, healthy. But it, 25% of that stays in the local diocese. To important, also, to, important to remember, yes. Yes, to also fight local hunger here at home. So that it is not either or, but it's not me and you, but us all in this together, trying to see how we can fight global hunger and local hunger together. Tell me a little bit about some of the other programs uh, that uh, Rice Bowl funds, apart from simply meals for hungry people. There are educational programs. There are other programs going on. Yes, education is so basic, and it takes uh, this little snack to get kids to go to school. But CRS Rice Bowl funds also provides clean water for people by drilling wells and digging boreholes. You know, you can talk about education, you can talk about health programs, but when you don't have clean water all those things are endangered i mean what does it mean you talk no women will not come to the clinic if they, they can find water there to drink they will not come there to give baby they cannot have water to bath their children midwives and nurses will not stay there if they cannot have clean water to bath or drink or cook so water is so basic so crs rice bowl funds provides clean water in schools and in villages and in clinics to entice more people to attend and use those clinics we also have uh, programs called maternal child health programs which is about trying to ensure 
sure that no mother dies in the process of giving life. Yes. So setting up the clinic and then making sure that they have the basic equipment to make sure a woman gives birth successfully is very important. And all this comes from funding from those little, little nickels and dimes sacrifice every Lent. And I want to emphasize that this is a specifically Lenten charity, that uh, you're going to see this every year, but you're going to see it during Lent. And what better time to do something like this? Lent is the time we are called to pray fast and give alms, pray fast, eat less so that others can simply live, just live simply so that others can simply live. And I think Lent is the best time for us to get closer to our, our Lord Jesus Christ and to love our neighbor. And Rise Bowl simply give us one of the best opportunities to really live that out. I want to tell everybody how to get involved with CRS Rice Bowl. It's very easy. All you have to do is go online to crsricebowl.org. I'm going to repeat that, crsricebowl.org. That will tell you everything you need to know about the uh, organization and how to give and how to get yourself one of those little boxes to fill it up with coins and to keep this wonderful program going. Thomas Awiapo, many thanks for visiting with us today and telling your story, and great good luck both on the road and at home in Ghana. Thank you so much, and thanks to all who participated in CRS Rise Bowl. This is Orange County Catholic Radio, AM 1000. We'll be right back. Please stay with us. Many of our listeners are noddingly familiar with St. John Vianney and may know that there's a Catholic chapel on Balboa Island named for him. John Vianney is the subject of a one-man stage presentation uh, this coming March 27th, 28th, and 29th in the Freed Theater of the Christ Cathedral Cultural Center. It's titled simply Vianney, and it's one of several multimedia stage plays produced by St. Luke Productions that tour regularly throughout the country. With us on the phone is Leonardo De Filippis, who is a producer for St. Luke Productions, and he is also the actor who will be portraying St. John Vianney. Leonardo, welcome, and thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. Oh, it's an absolute joy to be with each and every one of you. Well, tell us a bit about this saint, St. John Vianney. He was a pretty unlikely figure to become much of anything, much less a saint. Isn't that correct? That is correct. He was, uh, you know, it was during the French Revolution, as a young man with the churches being literally destroyed everywhere, even in his own village. And uh, what happens is he basically feels a call to the priesthood because he sees model priests who, are, uh, who will give their life, some of them that were executed and guillotined. And so because of that, then he, he wants to become a priest. However, he has no training. He's a farmer. He has to learn Latin, which he just cannot grasp whatsoever. So he ends up... Uh, one very holy priest tries to, Father Belay tries to get him in. He fails the seminary many times, and eventually he's able to get in, and he goes to, to ours. So he's known, and really, it's it's interesting, he's the patron saint of, of priests, but he's also was one of the dumbest seminarians in church history. <laughs> so it's a little God's sense of humor that he exalted the lowly to become the example of the priesthood well, you, because of his incredible perseverance. You just made a lot of seminarians very happy. <laughs> <laughs> they should have hope. <laughs> How did he manage to draw so many people to him, not just people from his village, but from everywhere? Ours became a, a, a point of pilgrimage for so many people. Well, I think he is the essence of the priesthood, meaning he pours 
literally his blood, sort of in symbolism of the priesthood, the sacred heart of Christ flowing onto the people. So the way you do that is you have to sacrifice for the people. So he did incredible sacrifices, penance for every single, single soul that he met in the confession or in his own village. You remember he, he converted every person in his parish took many decades, but it's because of his, his actual petitioning a God, weeping to God constantly for them. So he also was given by God the gift to read minds, to read hearts, uh, just like we heard of the modern uh, Padre Pio, and John Vianney does many more confessions. So, and also miracles started to happen. He became a phenomenon and one of the most sought-out priests of that time frame in, in the church history. Uh, so they have to actually build a railroad to ours just to accommodate the thousands upon thousands of uh, people to come for confession. My goodness. There's a big struggle between good and evil in this presentation, a, a very visual one. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we have a multimedia kind of presentation. You will see creatures appearing and disappearing, uh, villagers, penitents, uh, all kinds of things will happen. But I think this is really, and we title this really as a kind of a, a battle between uh, good and evil, John Vianney, the priest, against uh, Satan himself, uh, as he would call him, Garapand. Uh, so the, the thing is, this battle is so vibrant, so big, so so you feel the presence of evil. And that needs to be done because he was one of the most attacked saints of all time by the devil consistently, day in and day out, because he took so many souls from Satan, uh, which is all documented. That's why it's so important for people to realize most of us, even Catholics, don't realize the presence of the evil one. If you're just joining us, we are talking to Leonardo de Filippis, who is going to be playing the role of St. John Vianney in a multimedia one-man show coming up toward the end of March right here on the Christ Cathedral campus in the Freed Theater of the Campus Cultural Center. We're going to give you all the details about that in just a minute. But to get back to uh, the actual role of St. John Vianney, this can't be an easy role to play. You've got to dig pretty deep for this. Do you enjoy playing him? Well, I do. I, I find him a very surprising saint. He's very hard on himself, very humble, but at the same time, he's very witty. You know, he has that French humor. He has that farmer humor. So he's a delight to play. His sermons or something else, that you know, they're pretty direct and also very inspiring, very challenging. And he was such a character. I mean, he walked funny. He looked funny. I mean, I got a complaint by somebody who said he looks like a Rottweiler. He looks like a cadaver. I mean, he's, uh, he was an oddity even in his time. But the people grew to love him so much that, uh, you know, it was one of the biggest funerals of a, of a priest when he died. Well, this production is one of many one-man productions that St. Luke Productions tours with regularly. For instance, uh, you, you also portray uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe. Tell us a, a, about a few of these other productions that you put on. Are, the, are they all cut from the same technical cloth as far as multimedia goes? No, they're not. Only a couple of them that we had. We had the great joy of bringing St. Faustina down there, which is a very multimedia show that was down there, and hopefully it'll come back again. But John very, very successful, yes. It was very successful, and I think John Vianney was something that, you know, California could use him too, I'll tell you. Oh, yes. And, uh, but then we do Maximilian Colby, which is 
is kind of an interactive, a, li- a little less so. It's more a tour de force, more based on the actor himself changing characters. The same with St. Augustine. Uh, you're hearing a story we're doing at St. Therese is more based on her. We have, you know, a set and everything like that, the holy face and the, and the, and the child Jesus. But each of them is different because they need a different approach. What sort of reception have these productions gotten around the country? Not just Vianney, but everything you've been doing. Well, it's very surprising because I think, first of all, people are surprised by the artistic integrity of it, the intricacy of it. They're very sophisticated. One person shows uh, the timing. It's, it's one of the more difficult roles any actor could play in an acting situation. But I think spiritually that's where it gets very interesting to know that a play, you think of a play a play as a play, it entertains you, might inspire you, but this thing does something different. It actually changes people's hearts to where they either come back to the church, or they have a conversion experience, they might be healed from something, or they, they're inspired to become a priest or a religious, or, or inspired to, for discernment to get married, or they've been hurt, they forgive. You know, they've been abused, or they're addicted, or they have something that's gone wrong in their life. And this draws them to come closer. And I think this particular one also allows people to respect the priesthood. They realize they have to pray for their priests, how much they're under attack. Because in the end, really, people, when they see these saints, they realize they are the greatest lights for us, so that we can they can be the examples for us to strive forward. And they give us courage right now, particularly in our society, when people are, it's all about being afraid. Everyone's afraid. But these saints say, no, no fear. It's useless. It's trust that we not. We, we will commit ourselves to Christ because he, in the end, will take care of us, and we're going to meet him. And the best way of doing that is not just to bring ourselves, but to bring everyone we know and are care for to heaven itself. Do you hear all this wonderful feedback from people at the receptions, uh, either before or after the productions when you're touring? Many times. People return to the sacraments. Yes, they'll see the the play, and they'll they'll say, "I'm going to name my my baby Max, Viani, Faustina, Therese." They might meet their spouse. That's happened too. My gosh! So many things have happened, and uh, that's what's what's amazing to think that a play can have uh, sacred uh, implications. And I think it's what's neat about it is we're going back into history when we used to have the Corpus Christi plays, the medieval plays, the mystery plays that were in union with the church, backed up the church. It created the culture of the church in our society. And that's what this kind of these genre of plays do, because it's different than, say, watching a musical like Oklahoma or, or even a Shakespeare play. This has more, um, how should I, more eternal implications. In the minute or so we have left, uh, tell us, did you think when you started St. Luke Productions that you would be having this sort of success? Never, ever, because I have no one to, there's no mentor, there's no genre for this, there's no one for me to say, how do you do this? There's not Hollywood, there's not Broadway, so it's kind of become its own exploration, adventure, and and so I think this is the preparation, you know, for other things like this to happen in the future. And the reason, we've done movies before and all that, but to have a live encounter, an experience, this connection, this relationship, to think that they're human beings, these saints, 
I think that's what really calls out to all of us. And that's why this is an important thing for people to experience. Well, I would like to tell our listeners that this production of Viani is sponsored by the Diocese of Orange. It's going to be presented on March 27th at 7 p.m., on March 28th at 2 and 7 p.m., and on March 29th at noon. The admission is $20, and tickets may be obtained online at ChristCathedralCalifornia.org. One more time, ChristCathedralCalifornia.org, or by calling 714-282-3045. Leonardo de Filippis, thank you so much for being with us today. I look forward to seeing each and every one of you at the performance. Thank you very much. God bless you. And that's it for another edition of Orange County Catholic Radio. You're tuned to Immaculate Heart Radio, AM 1000. I'm Patrick Mott.